0: How much can you learn about a person by their house? Good morning. My name is Ben, and today's psalm will help you to answer the question in the back of your mind. If God had a house, what would it be like? (laughs) We all have experiences living in a house. Some of us have lived in a big house or a small house. A new house, maybe an old house with character. Maybe a house high up in the city or out in the countryside surrounded by acres of land. Some of us can't stand the thought of one more day stuck in our house, (laughs) and we're getting out into tents and RVs and cabins. And You know, I don't know anyone who lives on a boat, but if that's you, please feel free to email me so that we can be friends. There are so many different kinds of houses, and I got to see a lot of them at my last job. I was working as a custom closet designer. I would show up every day to a new address with my training, my tools, my 3D software, To meet a complete stranger who would then lead me to the most intimate room in their home, their closet. I got to learn a lot about people. Actually, it was learning about people that quickly became my favorite part of the job. Helping people get organized, it's really fun. I do enjoy that. But there's something special about meeting somebody within the context of their home. It's it's like you automatically know them on a deeper level than if you were to just meet them on the street. The home, it holds so many details about the one who lives there. It's practically an extension of their being. The fridge door, it shows you who they care about. The accomplishments hanging on the wall, that shows you what they're proud of. The TV channel that's on in the background, that shows you what they're interested in. There's tons of information around you. And this was helpful to me because what I can see about the home tells me what I can expect as the guest in the home. For example, if if I open the door and I see dog toys on the ground in the house, that tells me I should be taking my shoes off outside on the porch or else go on a treasure hunt at the end of my appointment for a lost shoe. (laughs) Why am I telling you this? Because we all want to know God better. Right now watching this, there are hundreds of people gathered in their homes to seek Jesus, and that's amazing. Thank you. There are lots of ways that we can learn about God. But I'm telling you, if you can experience God in his house, you're going to know God on a much deeper level. So today, we are going to explore God's house together. And my prayer is that we would realize something new about the owner and gain a sense for our mysterious connection to this divine property. 3,000 years ago, During the reign of kings in Israel, a song was written, but it was no ordinary song. Its lyrics allowed people to experience God, and those lyrics have survived centuries and are in our Bibles today under the title Psalm 84. The lyrics in this song tell the story of a guest arriving to God's house from the perspective of the guest. This should be a fun perspective for us to explore because if you've ever seen um, in a scary movie, the scariest parts are not when they show you the monster, but when they show you these close-ups of the person's face who is afraid of the monster. So in a similar way, this song gives us a close-up of the guest who visits God's house, and that helps you and me to feel a certain way. The story in this song is organized like a modern action movie. Right off the bat, verses 1 through 4, we're caught up in the middle of the action. The guest has just arrived at the house. And then in verses 5 through 7, the guest reflects on the journey it took him to get there. Uh, Then in verses 8 through 12, we pick up again from the last moment, uh, and we enter God's house. We meet the owner. So let's begin. Verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And we just have to pause here because the name for God here, Lord Almighty, can also be translated to Lord of hosts, Lord of angel armies. It's a title of authority. There's power. There's, it it assumes this ability to fight and protect, which is a theme that we will see reinforced and contrasted throughout the song. And then the phrase, my soul yearns, even faints. That's made up of two Hebrew words that both are forceful in meaning, but even more so together. The first suggests desperation. And the second implies that the character was consumed by the feeling. Together, they suggest the person was torn apart by the longing. One commentary describes this feeling as being homesick or lovesick. The character in this song is painfully longing for something. And what is it? We see right here in the first section, the courts of the Lord and the living God. But why does the psalmist mention the courts first instead of God? Like, isn't that rude? <laughs> You're longing for God's stuff more than God Himself. Actually, it's not like that. Uh, God's stuff and God Himself—they kind of go together. If you ask—if you ask any teenager right now who is missing out on their summer camp this year, they will know exactly what it means to be longing for the place and the people. They kind of go together. By the way, the word here for courts—it does not mean courtrooms, but courtyards. Uh, you're not inside you're outside in some kind of enclosed yard area Um, and this is great news for me because with my history of speeding tickets I don't really I don't really yearn for courtrooms but can I tell you about the most beautiful courtyard I've ever seen it was about this time last year your generous support sent a youth mission trip to Guatemala to drill a well and on our way To the mission house, we got to stay at a place in the city of Antigua. Beautiful city. Massive volcanoes paint the backdrop as you ride into town on these cobblestone roads, which, by the way, turn you and every passenger in the car into a bobblehead. There's there's no speeding ticket to be earned in that city. The roads, they're shaped like corridors, surrounded on both sides by these tall concrete walls that are painted in bright colors to kind of section off where the residences are behind Uh, we, We stopped finally and got out to knock on this heavy wooden door that opens to reveal this small, dark hallway like a cave. And when you walk through that, you are standing in a beautiful courtyard. It's open to the sky with two stories of house wrapped around it. There was seating. There was greenery around the perimeter, a small pool in the corner. And all the rooms had windows that looked out onto the courtyard. And here's the cool thing about a courtyard. When you're in the courtyard it becomes clear where to find what you need. A courtyard gives you access to everything in the house. There's the kitchen. There's the the bathrooms. There's the garage bay. There's the bedrooms. There's the stairs that go up to the balcony. If you can get yourself to the courtyard, the path will reveal itself. God's house is designed to provide easy access to the things that we need. Let's continue reading in verse three. Even the sparrow, Has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. I I wonder if this song had a music video, if this would be the point where you see like a bird come in and fly right by the character's head to catch their attention. And we see the bird makes its nest by the altar, which represents provision. God's house, it's an inviting place. You got animals coming in to, to stay there. And, and it's a, a place of provision. Um, and whoever dwells there is so blessed that they can't stop praising God. Verse 5 continues. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the Valley of Tears, they make it a place of springs. And the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Our character with God as their strength and a sacred mission in their heart has been through a journey of tears and springs and pools. Kind of resembles baptism when you think about it. Until finally they are before God to make one request, just one, right here in verse eight. Hear my prayer, Lord Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. If you remember a few weeks ago, we learned from Pastor John that blessed in Hebrew, it means deeply satisfied. Three times in this Psalm, do we see a description of the satisfied soul in connection to God and his house? Do you want satisfied soul? There is deep satisfaction for those who dwell in God's house, verse four, who find their strength in God, verse five, and who trust in God, verse 12, in God, in God. God wants to be your house. And here's something else that's true. God wants you to be his house. Colossians 2, 9 through 10 puts it this way. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ. The fullness of God lives in you. Jesus said it this way anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. God dwells in us. We are the house of God. And that changes the way others interact with us. That changes the way we interact with others. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says it this way, for the spirit of God in us does not make us timid, but gives us power love, and self-discipline. God's house is active. What are the other effects of having God dwelling in us? Psalm one says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Not only is God's house active, but it's chill. There's You can rest there. And then in Galatians, we see that the Holy Spirit in us produces fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then again, self-control. God's house is productive. This is what happens when God dwells in us. If you want to know if God is dwelling in you, just look for those things in your life. Believers, we are the house of God. And when somebody steps into interaction with me, they step into God's courtyard. God's courtyard allows easy access to the things that their soul needs. God's courtyard offers protection. It's a safe place for delicate conversations. God's courtyard offers provision through God himself, who brings deep satisfaction. Like a host, like a good host in a home, God desires to reach through you and me to serve those around us. At the beginning of today's message, we said, if you can experience God in his house, you're going to know God on a much deeper level. So what does it mean then? If God's house is you and me, we can't experience God's house apart from each other. We've got to come together. And here at Grace Community Church, we are really good at this. In our most recent season of small groups, we saw over 650 people plugged into groups to experience God. This church knows the power of community. You you truly are the courtyard of God. And I got to experience the courtyards of God uh, for myself firsthand back in 2016 I was still working as a closet designer, which was a 100% commission based job, which I was excited about because I had lots of student loan debt to pay off. So I worked constantly. I worked nights, I worked weekends, only to reward myself with the very cheapest meals that money could buy. <laughs> if you folks uh doing the financial peace university, you know, it's uh you know, skimping out and and cutting back on your spending, it's a good thing, but I had I had taken it to an extreme. I was robbing myself of any opportunity to have a social life, and that included church. Uh, as a result, I developed some unhealthy coping mechanisms that only fueled more of the extreme lifestyle that I was in. And uh, I was in a downward spiral. And um, finally, I, I reached out to God just in prayer. I was crying out to him, uh, longing for a change. And uh, I tried I tried connecting with some of the local churches, uh, but I wasn't really uh, meeting people that were—it was, it wasn't, it wasn't really connecting— I finally decided in my heart that this was so important to me that I would be willing to change anything about my life to reconnect with God again. And, uh, and then out of the blue, I remembered that a year earlier I had gotten a text from my buddy Christian Knuckles to visit this cool new church that he attended. So a year later, I get back in touch with him um, and I get the info and I drive one hour from Annapolis to Arlington to, to see Grace Community Church for the first time. And I was welcomed in, open arms. And uh, during the service, John Coco got up on stage and announced an invitation to lunch. So I went to lunch. And then from there, um, another invitation from the young professionals there to play football at the park. So I went to the park. And then from there, I was invited to dinner afterwards. So I went to dinner. Um, And finally, after that, we parted ways and I drove home. (laughs) And if you're an introverted person, you're probably freaking out at my first day experience at Grace. But for me, uh, my God was providing what I had been longing for. And on my drive home, my heart was so full, I couldn't help but get little little pools of tears in, in the eye, eye water. It's not, you know, I wasn't crying. It's just just some eye water. My, my valley of tears had transformed. And that whole day for me, all those people added up to this one feeling that I could describe to you as welcome home. God's house is a household of people. For those of you watching today who put your trust in God, who hold the doors open to the courtyards of God for people like me, I just want to say thank you. You stand alongside the households of history, like William Wilberforce, Mother Teresa, Dr. King, Mama Maggie, and so many others whose lives allowed for people to experience the protection and provision of God. Even now, during the pandemic, many of you are making the time to engage the conversation about racial equality and justice. And that's the kind of conversation that happens in Jesus' courtyard. For those of you who are maybe reluctant to embrace God as your home, I just want to remind you that God's invitation is open to you today. You can be a part of God's household today, right now. When Jesus died, the veil in the temple tore from top to bottom. You have full access to God right where you are. Think about this, God, God living in you, um, HGTV house hunters. Imagine God is, uh, he's, he's house hunting. He's going all over the place. He's figuring out what he likes, what he doesn't like, what his needs are, what his sense of style is. And then he sees you and he tells the agent, I'll take it. But the agent says, "It's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And God says, no, no, it's worth way more than that. I'm going to pay with my whole body. Ephesians 2.19 says, Consequently, you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together To become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God, thank you for your sacrifice, which made an open invitation to all people to come and make their home in you. Would your spirit be welcome home in me? God, strengthen me to live in such a way that your courtyard is true to the owner of the house. Let anyone who steps into interaction with me discover the protection and provision of God. Amen.